0: mm mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah I can do anything mm-hmm. Yeah hell no hell no hell no hell no I can do anything Yeah hell no hell no hell no hell no Hello everybody and welcome back to episode number 30 Wow Sorry that was like my like <laughs> We're doing a lesson that I really don't care about, but I have to it's up exactly my energy. What that is. <laughs> no, but I actually do really care about this. Episode number 30, 30 weeks. 30 episodes. <sighs> Welcome back to the Common Sense podcast. My name is Patrick. I got Antonia on the other line. She was gonna she was gonna wait 20 seconds before she said anything. So So we're back. Um before we get into the good news, I actually have a cup. One thing that I want to get off my chest. Um, look at her; she always pops up. Like you didn't tell me this. <laughs> I just want to let people know that because I know you know planning committees are already starting to form. It's March, and I know you are thinking about your graduations, your promotion ceremonies. You're thinking about. Your, your songs that you're going to select and sing. And I just want to remind you to hang up the world's greatest. Hang up. I believe I can fly. And I know you're asking me, Patrick, what, 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 what do I do? What do I replace it with? And I have two words for you. Kirk Franklin.
0: No, sir. No, sir.
1: I no, sir. am going to recommend the Kirk Franklin Collection. You can head right over to iTunes and go to the Kirk Franklin Essentials to figure out what level your kindergartners are on. Are you on the beginning level with smile? You look so much better when you smile. You know what I'm saying? Or are you more advanced? I, I just Melodies want to shut this heaven. down. Like which? <laughs> are- <laughs> what are you gonna choose kirk franklin has been the uh 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 uh, what do you call it the vault of positive music from the black community you know what i'm saying he uh we you know we play his music in the clubs we do and at the altar (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So you're reaching all parents, all families, right? Um, It is appropriate for children, most of it. So you have to look at the verses. Some of the verses are not, you know, super, you know, you may want to watch some of those, but just imagine those kids up there singing smile or do you want to be happy? You know, that or I got one, two, three. Uh, uh, I I actually really love that song, and I might teach my kids that song. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? You know what I'm saying? You have an opportunity. I have options for you guys. Maybe you want to do revolution. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you want to do stomp. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Really turn that graduation up. It's not too late, but we have to put to rest our Kelly. Trust me, guys. We got options out here. We got options.
0: You're not on anyone. You're not on anyone's committee, are you?
1: I actually am on my own committee because I have kids who are getting ready to, to promote, and I was already thinking like, okay, <clears throat> they have no idea who Kirk Franklin is um, at all. But <laughs> it's just like, how do I? But they probably won't even want to learn. They've had they like knowing my kids. They're not gonna want to sing a damn thing. But I just want to you know talk to my American family out there. Let y'all know, hey. You can do something different. I support y'all. I'm going to go ahead and write up a blog post to create. Top 10 songs for
0: graduation that don't include R.
1: Kelly. Top 10 songs. And out of 12, you you heard it here. Um, I'm encouraging you. I'm supporting you. There's instrumentals. There's karaoke versions. You don't have to have a music teacher because I'm sure y'all don't have one anyway because they're part time. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I just want to salute y'all. For doing something different, for putting the rapist to rest. And um now we can get on.
0: Have you watched the interview? Yes, I have. I need to watch it. I I have felt like terrible laughing at the um like the memes from when he's oh, yeah, like standing awful. up and Gail is sitting yeah. stone faced, and I'm like, this this should not be funny. I should not yeah. laugh at this, but I need to watch the interview. Um this week I almost fell out in the hallway during like one of our bathroom breaks because my youngest one was like trying to sing along to uh, what is what's the song the the flying song. Uh I believe I, believe I, can, I can Yes. Fly. She was trying mm-hmm. to sing along to and I was like, "Hold up. Where did you hear this song? Why are you <laughs> trying to sing it? Stop. Go sit down, please. Like make it stop." What?
1: What adult in your life needs some intervention. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. We have kindergarten graduation, but they sing like some super generic kindergarten song. And the only music that we use is like in the videos um, that we create with pictures from the school year. And last year I used there's some Will I Am song from Sesame Street that they really liked. Um I don't even remember the words. I'd I'd have to find it, but it was a really like nice, inspiring song. Um And so that's the only song that we played. I think I'd be livid, though, if anyone tried to suggest R. Kelly. So hopefully that does not come up this year. Not I think I'd be livid. Like, I know I'd be livid. They won't? I cannot say that they won't because of of where I am.
1: They won't because they'll have you there oh, with, well, a Kirk, okay. with a Kirk Franklin selection ready to go.
0: I... I I don't even really know how to
1: respond to you. That's why I don't drink coffee. You know, when you said you
0: had coffee, I was just like, you don't (laughs) Ah, don't. don't drink coffee. And then you said you were sitting there drinking coffee. So you made a social experience out of this. So I was really, really confused at that point.
1: You didn't see my video?
0: I did. So I was confused.
1: Oh, yes. I had a toasted marshmallow iced coffee. What's good?
0: Iced coffee with more caffeine in it.
1: I know it does. That's Why I'm like, lately I've been going through some things that's really got me oh down. My <laughs> Can, Can you imagine? <laughs> doing the shoulder <children laughs> <balance. laughs> Can you imagine kindergartners singing that? I've been someone, somebody to help me come and turn my life around. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. Okay, welcome back, everybody. I'm ready to be serious now. Welcome back to the Common Sense Podcast, episode number 30. I'm Patrick. We have Antonia on the other side of the world, (laughs) 7,000 miles miles away. (sighs) And I got school tomorrow. You don't.
0: I do Um, not. It's glorious.
1: yeah. Working Sundays is so bittersweet. I love it because the week flies by. When I tell you the week flies by because you work on Sundays, like it flies. Um, but you work on Sundays. So that's kind of the hardest part um for me. And then like I don't know. I feel like I was I went to the library today. Because you love have a card, card, right? Head.
0: Now you can check I out gotta, you can check out books.
1: Maximum four books, okay? Only four? <laughs> maximum four books. Aww. Yeah, why? I was not happy. Um, I didn't inquire why because I didn't really want to, you Be know, engage in that. Nope. I sure didn't. I said I would take my four. I tried to like joke around, like, man, I need one more. He was like, Nope, four. <laughs> so I said, okay. That's maybe totally they,
0: maybe they have a teacher library card or something.
1: And I asked about that. They said they sure didn't. Even nope, librarians can't. can. Even librarians can't take out more than uh four books. So I was just like, okay, you know, I'll take what I can get. I'll take my four books. It was a really hard selection. Um, but I have my four, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna figure out how I can make my kids read four books at a time. so i have 30 kids and i have four books in the classroom that's my reality in 2019 okay and let me also explain that there has not been a single book in my classroom since the year has begun
0: i think i saw that on twitter that's rough
1: not a single book um and i don't count photocopies of books i don't count textbooks I mean, like, physical books in the classroom that kids can use. I don't count my library because I think it is T-R-A-S-H. So, because um, it, it's mainly a leveled library. It's not like a real, like, library where kids can go and, like, check out books. Like, high-interest books. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I got two books on football because they love football. But, of course, I was very intentional. So one is on women, women in football. And then one is on um, South American football. I have one on Rey Mysterio and WWE because, you know, my kids love wrestling and I love wrestling as well. And then I bought one children's book in Arabic because I think that that is important for comprehension. Um, I don't want to continue to... You know, just get English, but I want them to know that, you know, yes, you are learning multiple languages. You should have a bilingual library in yeah. the class. Yeah. Um. So that took me the longest to pick out because I was on my Google Translate trying to figure out, okay, what this, what is this book mostly about? And then I was doing a lot of uh, comprehending using the pictures. Um. So like that was a. A really bold, uh, really funny experience. Just like sitting there trying to figure out. I even asked one one. I was like, "Can you translate this for me? Like, like, what's the title of this book?" Uh, so I hope that is uh really helpful for my kids, and I hope that they ap- appreciate it. I'm going to take a piece out of Cornelius, uh, Cornelius's book, uh, in one of the chapters he talks about listening. And there's a sentence stem where he's he, where he talks to the kids and he's like, I heard you, so I did this. And so I'm going to use that uh, this week and see how it goes. But these four books are the first books that we have had. It's March and we're just getting started. I also want to go ahead and add, wow, I'm really on 10.
0: You are. I also,
1: also want to go ahead and add that we are near the end of the term. We have two weeks of final exams
0: amen right amen. two weeks
1: of final exams well, amen
0: actually taking two weeks to take tests kind of sucks but i mean you're close to the end of the term so. yeah it's
1: it's one test a day um uh, which i find really interesting so one test a day and then um after that's done we have one week of marking what is A.K.A. grading, grading. okay Okay, that's what they say in the UK, marking. Um, And so kids won't come that week. Don't know why we need a whole week to check exams, but whatever. And from there, we will have one week of spring break. So my march is practically grading, assessing, test taking, planning for term three, getting ready to get my butt on a plane to Thailand and Sri Lanka for the first week of April.
0: Can you imagine if you had, like, a week to grade and look at what your kids knew in the U.S.?
1: Well, here's the the thing. It's not, like, a school policy that kids are not allowed to come on that week, but most kids are, are like, the term is over. I'm not why coming to here? school. <laughs> yeah, like, why am I here? I'm not going. I'm staying home because I can. I, I can afford to stay home, right? I have the help at home to help. And so, therefore... I'm staying at home with my with my video games and my swimming pool and my Gucci flip-flops.
0: You really feel some type of way about this Gucci that they have. <laughs> You've mentioned <laughs> the Gucci before.
1: Because that's the only designer that I can pronounce.
0: Okay. Are you picking up more of this like Arabic, like spoken? Can you, I am. You can understand more of it?
1: I can understand more of it. Um, mainly is using context clues. It's a very expressive language. And and so while I may not understand what the, what they are saying, I understand the sentiment they're trying to get across. And so I use that to make meaning and to comprehend what it is they want me to know or what they want me to say.
0: I feel nosy when I can like understand Spanish or a little bit of Amharic because it's like people, people switch. I don't want to say that people switch into like their first language like I don't know why people switch into their first language like maybe you're more comfortable like maybe you're switching because you don't want people who only speak English to understand like whatever whatever your reason like it's fine doesn't matter but I always feel nosy when they're like there's to to some degree I understand what they're saying especially if like right beforehand you were speaking English and then you switch <laughs> and so it's like so I should not be listening yeah. but how do I close my ears off from understanding what you're saying
1: yeah, but, like, so I just left a coffee shop with two friends. Uh, they don't listen, I don't think. Um, But, like, they also speak Arabic, right? And I have to constantly check myself and tell myself, like, when they do do the code switching, right, when they're speaking in English and then they go to Arabic when they're talking to each other and then they come back to English when they want to include me in it, that I can't demand them to speak the English language yeah, if they no. don't want to. That's not their first language. That's not home for them. And so it's very Western of me, very American of me, um, very English native speaker of me to be like, I am here. You speak English. You know what I'm saying? The so- voice
0: change, I don't know if it was necessary, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> My thing is, what I'm realizing like as I as I try to kind of teach myself Amharic in Spanish, is that there are a lot of words that there's literally no translation for.
1: Yeah, Like you can try to
0: convey a general idea of what you're trying to say, but it's nowhere near like what it means in that other language. And so you're wasting your time and mine trying to explain what this means in English because it's nowhere near as as beautiful as it is in your native language. So, I try to just like be mindful. Like, obviously, I'm not demanding anyone to speak in English, but I also try to like not um, respond with facial expressions or anything else to show that I'm listening. Because there was one time I was in the cafeteria. And like, I get ice every day from my water bottle. Like when I take my kids to lunch, so I was getting my ice and the cafeteria lady, she had like just been talking to one of the little kids and then she switched to her coworker and like when talking, she, she switched to Spanish and was talking trash about someone and I understood it and I laughed and then she turned and I was like, oh wait, like <laughs> I wasn't supposed to hear that. I wasn't supposed to laugh. And She was like, you understood what we said? And I'm like, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> And so, like, now, like, she speaks a little Spanish around me, but I felt like I kind of had invaded, you know, like, their conversation and that it was not meant for me. So I really try to be aware of, like, how I'm responding when people switch to another language, even if I do somewhat understand. So,
1: yeah, yeah, there are some people who have um, assumed that I spoke the language uh, Arabic, which I'm like, all right. Um, Black and people like, speak no, Arabic. I, I know, but sometimes I feel like I I, I look so American. So it's like,
0: ah, okay.
1: Hey, you know, with my Nike. Not to say that only um, only Americans wear Nikes, but I feel like I come across as like stereotypical American, American. Yeah, yeah, with my like ripped jeans, which nobody wears ripped jeans here. Okay, it really makes me upset. <laughs> That I'm the only one with my knees out.
0: Aww.
1: Um, I oh, mean, dang. they have ripped jeans, but but they have the they have the jeans underneath the rips, which really annoy me. Because like, what's the point of ripped jeans?
0: Maybe they don't want but, to show extra skin.
1: <clears throat> they don't, and that's okay. I that's okay. It just has taken some getting used to. But folks literally have, and especially in the library today, have looked down at my knees and said, "Why are they out? Why are they out?" <laughs> okay. Any good news from you this week? Um,
0: I mean, I ar- i think I already told you about the Junior League and how I can finally join because kindergarten graduation. Well, so I was trying to join the Junior League, Houston Junior League, and one of like the mandatory dates it was the same date and time as kindergarten graduation. And um,
1: don't nobody know what the Junior League is. Sorry, I mean, don't nobody Google. know what it is. So nobody knows, okay, what the junior league So the is. <laughs> Junior
0: League is just an organization committed to volunteerism, and it's not volunteerism. I still need to like go back and and distinguish the difference in the two words, but they are two very distinct words. So there's volunteerism with an A and volunteerism with two e's. Um, mm. So they're committed to volunteerism. And so I was looking for a way, now that I'm done with grad school, I wanted to spend more of my time. Um, that I was spending on assignments, like giving back to my community because I, I don't have kids yet. Like after I leave school, I don't really have any like engagements or responsibilities that I need to keep up with. And so I was trying to find something to fill that time. And I found out about this organization and I applied and was able to get in until I found out, you know, that one of the mandatory dates was the same day as kindergarten graduation. And so I go to orientation and they're like, no, 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 we'll work something out. Don't worry about it, which had really been stressing me out because I, I think I told you about it like several times about how stressful it was. So I'm glad that's working out. Um, what's really cool about it is that you have like four segments during your provisional year where you're volunteering with different organizations. So I get to volunteer at Texas Children's Hospital um, for about a year. And then there's something called the Tea Room, which is a restaurant at the Junior League that is completely volunteer, um, run by volunteers, and all the proceeds go to various organizations in the Houston area. And the reason I was interested in the Junior League is because while all the organizations that they partner with, I would be able as an individual to go and volunteer with them. With the Junior League, it's like, I can do all of them without going through all of the individual pathways to join those orgs. So it kind of see, it, it removes a step almost. And so now I have a group that I can go volunteer with at those places instead of individually going to every single orientation for all of them and trying to figure out when and how I can help. So.
1: And so now you don't have to skip kindergarten graduation to join this fabulous organization. Now
0: I don't have to skip kindergarten graduation and act like I came down with the flu or something. Not that right. I was considering it, I I was not.
1: Because you must be there I must to direct. Be there. <laughs> to direct Kirk Franklin's "I Smile" with your kindergartners. Yeah.
0: yeah. Even
1: though I hurt, see, I you smile. Make me sick.
0: I have a random question. <laughs> did you ever go to any of your kids' birthday parties?
1: Yes, yeah, several.
0: You did. Aww. I got invited several. to one, and I was just like, the mom sent me a message. And she was like, "I'm not sure if you'd go," but and then she named my teammates, and she was like, "But they've gone to parties, and so I wanted to reach out and ask if you'd be interested in coming." And I was just like, "I'm gonna be out of town, like I, I don't do lying? birthday parties." I was planning to leave today, but I changed my mind. But I, I don't do birthday parties, and What's so the
1: problem?
0: I just don't. It it makes me uncomfortable, like being in a social setting outside of school with all the other parents, because then, like. The one time I've done it, it felt like it was turning into a parent conference, and the parents were like, "Well, is she kind of come to my child's, or how is so and so doing?" And I'm just not interested in doing that on a Saturday. Um, and so I told the little girl I couldn't come, like we talked about it. But then she was like, "Well, where are you going? What are you going to be doing? Why can't you come?" And I was just like, um,
1: <laughs> "These are very
0: direct questions. Can you please go back to your center?" Like,
1: <laughs> oh, wow what she are you
0: doing you. i mean i didn't i didn't say like these are direct questions but like essentially it was you're not doing what you're supposed to so i'm gonna redirect you to go do what you're supposed to because i'm not telling you why i'm not coming right now i'm gonna send her a card though but i feel like if i go to one i have to go to all and i'm not that driving 40 minutes south for birthday parties every saturday so i take a hard no on birthday parties now and next yeah. year, I may just say I don't do birthday parties so that I don't get invited and the parents can handle that.
1: Um, For me, oh, my God, we always.
0: We're all, we're all, we're way off topic. Uh,
1: yeah, let me just but say. Wait, for it me, it kind of
0: segments into saying no. So this will be okay.
1: That is true. Spoiler alert. Uh, birthday parties for me were always an instant relationship booster slash cementer. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, if, if I wanted to like really um uh make my commitment to a kid like serious and known, then I would go to a birthday party. Um, and not to say that I went with some secret agenda. I i i genuinely went because I wanted to go and support him. Plus, like birthday parties in the black community are just like family. Like, I don't. I didn't necessarily feel like I was at work, and it's really cool because they get to see you in your ripped jeans. And um what I know, I know. Just it has hold on to do
0: with ripped jeans, but continue.
1: I know, but if, for them to see you outside of the of that context, outside of school, just it just makes you more human than you actually are. Um And then, like you, 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 you never stay the whole time. You always go late. And you always go around the time that they cut the cake. So you go late. You say, hey, the kids run up to you because it's always kids from your class. They're like, oh, my God, you're a real person. You're here. What the hell? (laughs) And then you go, you you sing happy birthday with them. You have a slice of cake. And then you go home. Now, I always went with another teacher, primarily one who had them before or somebody who's going to have them next year so that when I wanted to leave, like, or like when I wanted to be there, I wasn't there like standing off to the side, awkward. Like I went with somebody, or had, or
0: that's a good idea, you know,
1: had had like a partner. Like that was really, really helpful for me. It was you know going with my girl. Shout out to Griff, um, Griff over in 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 DC. We went to birthday parties at the skate rink, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying throughout DC, and so uh um but i've been to birthday parties i've been to thanksgiving um i've been to uh other promotion parties it's almost getting ready for eighth grade graduation parties oh my god um and so i definitely want to continue to be a part of like my kids life and you know birthday parties are just a small way to do that um, it kind of opens up the door for a continual like investment in them. But no pressure.
0: If I didn't it's your live tire. so if I didn't live so far, I might, but I just the way I think of it, it's like, okay, I'm gonna drive thirty minutes south, I'm gonna have to stay for about twenty, thirty minutes, then I'm gonna have to drive thirty, forty minutes back up north, and then that's that's like an hour, hour and a half that I and I hate spending time in the car.
1: I'm just dead at that parent saying uh, other other teachers are coming. So what the hell are you doing?
0: <laughs> no, but really. But they also, <laughs> those two teachers also live really close to the school. So, mm. I mean, but I am very honest. Like last year, I had a, I, I was just really close to all my kids last year. Last year, they would say, are you coming to X? Da, 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 da. Like I came to almost every other thing that the school had last year. And the times that I didn't come, I would tell them, well, you know, Miss Adams lives really far and it like it was okay. So when I did show up, they're like, oh, she's here. And the parents were like, we don't know how you manage like staying and coming when we know you live way over, you know, over here. And so instead of like just never coming and never saying like why, letting them know like, you know, I'm I'm a real person. I do live pretty far. And like people like parents understand because trying to commute to something in the evening or like hanging around like. I mean, we're humans. So that's like my biggest um well, one of my biggest frustrations, like when you work far and there are evening events, like you essentially have to stay at the school, so it becomes a twelve hour day by the time you leave, and that sucks.
1: Which brings us to the to the point. The meat and potatoes Finally. of why we're here. <laughs> How do you say no? How do you say no? Let me give a the folks out there, just a little bit of think time. Because I know that many of you are in professions, many of you are teachers who listen, many of you are educators, but there are also some folks out there who are not in the education profession who work underneath, I hate using that, but work underneath who have a direct supervisor who asks you to do particular things. And there are some things you're like, oh, yeah, that's no problem. And then there are some times when you want to say no, but I think uh before you can even get to the actual art of saying no, we gotta think about what the hell are we saying no to in the first place, So what Man. are some things that you think <laughs> what do you think that what are some things that you think that we should be saying no to um in this line of work?
0: I say no to things that don't directly impact my kids most of the time. Like, if it's not going to positively impact, like, what's happening with my group of kids or, like, the kids on my... Like, kids in general. If it's not going to serve them in any particular way.
1: For example?
0: So my my mentor, she, she had this girl who they made them, like, ride the bus with the kids because kids were getting lost. Like, the bus driver wasn't doing their job. So, like, in that way that's not part of my job description but i don't think i'd say no to that cuz it's to the like safety and well-being of children but like mm. if you were to ask me to like stay for tutoring in kindergarten like i'm going to say no cuz a 5 year old doesn't need tutoring but i don't mm. know how to say that
1: i think for me I usually say no to things that are contradictory to my philosophy of education, (laughs) which I think comes across as like really selfish. But things like textbooks or (laughs) like or really white curriculums. Um, I sometimes I've said I think that my career has been defined by the word no. I think I talk about it on this show a lot how the reason why the hell I'm over here in Qatar is because I've said no so many times. I said no to real time coaching with the microphone in the that ear. That still blows my the mind. Talk to Girl, if you don't know about that, go back and catch up. I said no to, um, my vice principal telling me that my opinion doesn't matter because I'm a first year teacher. I said no to that. I said, uh, no to my last school who said that my voice um and my uh opinion didn't matter as it pertains to critiquing the system of education as it as it is i said no to that i think there are a lot of things that bother us um But I think when you're talking about the word no, it's powerful because what you're saying is that this system, if we're we're really talking about (laughs) attacking the system of education, you got to be able to say this system is not okay the way that it is. I'm not going to choose to participate in it. I'm going to do something different. And so I don't think it's about saying no, period. It's about saying no and. Or no, but. And then following that up with something. That's how you kind of keep your job. Uh, I think.
0: So I, I somewhat agree. Uh-huh. So like, I'm learning. And I was telling you earlier, I'm learning to say no without following up. Why? Because it's in some instances, it's none of your business. Like if.
1: That's contextual. That's contextual.
0: I guess if you are somewhere where you have a contract that has duty hours, it's easier for you to do this if you're somewhere where you have like stated hours in your contract. And so something I I learned from a mentor was that like, yes, show up to things that you can show up to that per- like that impact your kids and impact the school as a whole, like on a positive level, right? Like Do what you can, but you're not, you should not be rearranging your whole life to be there for every school event that wasn't on the calendar at the beginning of the school year. So my thinking is, if you decided at the last moment, two weeks ahead of time to host an event, and I have something that same night, no, I'm sorry, I cannot. I'm not rearranging my life outside of school to accommodate poor planning. I refuse to do that. Mm. Um, Last year I did it and it stressed me out. This year it's a no. And I will say, like, no. And it's okay. And, you know, like, nothing has happened. Because people realize that you do have a life outside of work. Um, I also realize the power of using the word appointment. um, Because people don't expect you to reschedule appointments. And if you have to be out, you have to be out. So, no, I'm sorry. This is me explaining it, right? Which I'm trying not to do so often, but no, I'm sorry. I have an appointment. I'm not going to reschedule my appointment for a math night. I'm just not.
1: Um... <laughs> not a math night.
0: <laughs> I, like, it's, it's already hard enough as a teacher to find appointments after school hours. And the audacity to suggest that I need to rearrange things is just it's not going to happen. So I've gotten really good at I don't know if everyone like calls it the same thing. But, you know, showing your face, you stay long enough so people can say you were there and then you dip. Um, I see some of my kids and then I'm out just because like I live far and I have things that happen in the evening now. I, I just can't. I also I say no to things that are not worth my time. So. I know in some districts they will pay you to write curriculum and it's like 20, 25 dollars an hour to write curriculum. That's not worth my time. I'm not I'm not going to sit for 20 dollars an hour to write curriculum. That's going to be taxed when I can make 20 dollars an hour untaxed sitting and watching Netflix and babysitting. I just refuse. You have to know what your time is worth and my time with curriculum and standards is is worth more than 20 dollars an hour. Um I (laughs)
1: you
0: you just have to know what your heart knows are I maybe this will change later but I also I don't want to head any committees because you don't get paid any extra for that and it's just extra work and no extra recognition unless you were trying to like advance into admin which some people are doing or unless you're just like maybe maybe your joy from your 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 life's joy comes from putting in all these unpaid hours. I don't know. I'm not going to question anyone's reason. But, like, no. I'm not doing it.
1: So I think we're talking about uh, two different things or three. We are getting
0: into two different, yeah.
1: So I think you can say no because so often people think that teaching – You know, teachers are supposed to go above and beyond. Teachers are supposed to stay after school. They're supposed to work on the the weekends because that's been the narrative for so long that you're supposed to do your lesson plans outside of school. You're supposed to grade outside of school. That's why they don't give any planning time in the United States. And that's why I have sometimes four to five hours of planning time because they know that my job is within the contract that I Wow. Because my job is within the uh, is within the contracted hours. Right. Um, But then like there are no's that you say because you want to kind of evoke change in school and within your education system. And I think that that requires. Why are you looking like that?
0: I'm thinking of the fact that some people still do fact frenzy and that I say no to fact frenzy and timed facts. That's why I'm looking like that.
1: Okay. But, um, <laughs> but I think that there. sometimes we say no because we want things to be different and we, and we want to change things in our workplace, whether it's a school, whether it's corporate America or whatever. We want to do something different. And so I think that that takes a different approach than a hard no. I think saying no because oh you always I
0: can agree with that. No, keep going. I can agree with
1: that. I just be looking at your face like, girl. Um, but
0: this is why I struggle in meetings?
1: Yeah, right. Same. Um, <laughs> just brings me back to this. Okay, I'm not gonna get fired again. Um, so then, um, <laughs> so I think that what I want to kind of get into is. Outside of the that's not my job, don't take advantage of me and my niceness and and the hierarchy and the ladder and the organizational chart, like I, I want to kind of move from that to like this thing that I think so many teachers struggle with, which is how do I say no? Because I want better. For my kids, because I know that my kids deserve more. My kids actually don't deserve to sit with their hands folded. My kids deserve to read actual books, not packets, not engage New York all the goddamn time, but actual real life books that they decide that that they want to read. Or how do I, um, you know, advocate? for PD that is actually relevant as opposed to like uncommon videos all the time, or how do I, um, (laughs) like do all these things? Like, like they don't want to continuously participate in business as usual, but they want different and they want more. So how do they say no to the current so so that they can say yes to something different? And I think that that is an art form. And it's, I think it's less of, a the hard no nose, yeah it's less of the hard no's and it's more of a let me let me drive the car let me drive you know what i'm saying like let me take I a look i think lip. a lot
0: of it is like doing it in your classroom and then when it starts to work out and people are like what are you doing then it starts to peak for it, speak for itself almost well not almost it does i'm also starting to think about how when they say but it's for the kids could be used on both sides now. Because, like, it's used as a way to manipulate teachers into doing things outside of work hours. But could you also use that phrasing to, like, explain all the things you just said, like why kids deserve real books and not packets or why kids deserve, like, certain freedoms or or why we deserve certain PD. Like, it's for the kids. Like, it's to better ourselves so that we can serve kids better. Like, what if we were to switch that around, and the way that it's being used and how would people respond to that
1: yeah i think hmm. because
0: like saying it's for the kids pisses me off
1: yeah because it's always used to manipulate teachers Mm -hmm.
0: but i'm i'm like thinking about if i were to start using it and just reframing it when i'm asking or explaining why i'm asking for certain things or explaining why i'm doing things a certain way in my classroom so that I don't view that phrase so negatively.
1: I think people are, are going to want to want evidence. They want to see it in practice, but there's a sense of, and I talked about this, but there's sort of a sense of like rebelism that is really important for teachers to take on, right? Like Because you may say, I want to try this in the classroom. And they may say, no, we have a system oh, and a ask. procedure, but that's what, but that takes courage and that should be oh. acknowledged, right? Like saying no is different than like doing something on, on your own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, because it's a, it's a politics game as well. If you, if you really think about it,
0: which they don't tell you or teach you in undergrad.
1: No, it's all a game. It's all a game, and I've been losing. That's why I'm out here. I've been losing. I'm not good at at the politics game at all. Um, Oh, Jesus. Um, Because I always wonder, like, well, maybe, like, before you start breaking the rules and before you start asking to do things different, shouldn't you build a relationship with administration? But, like, should that even matter? Should you have to build these political slash fake relationships in order to, like, make change in your schools? Like, how do you say no persuasively? How do you, um, like, try to do something different? How do you be innovative, like, without coming across as somebody who just wants to do whatever the hell that they want to do?
0: I don't know if that it always comes across like that. So, like, last year I did a lot Mm. of stuff without asking permission.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. We... We had a whole episode on this already.
0: We did. I I didn't ask permission and like it sounds bad but like if you're afraid don't ask. This is this is what I go by. Like if you're afraid don't ask permission, play dumb, and if they're mad just say, "Oh, I didn't know." And it's working, so I'm going to keep doing it anyway.
1: That's what so. you say, "I that's what you say, I didn't know."
0: Yeah. Nobody told me.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And then and then it's one of those can you come model? And then they never come model. So Oh,
1: that's her trick right there. Please <laughs> write that down. Say it again so that they know.
0: No. Like you 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 <laughs> what can I just say? I don't even remember. Like you if you do come what model. you Yeah, come model. And send it in an email so there's a paper trail.
1: Oh my god. Well, I asked for
0: assistance and here we are seventh week in the last nine weeks and no one ever came in and modeled period because they love saying we we taught you how to do this or you provided training um according to this email no you didn't next
1: thank you next um okay we've been in the studio for a while
0: and that's the scary way out i'm sorry that's the scary way out my way is the scary way out and it it works really well with I have friends that are, like, pushovers and afraid to, like, do anything that's not the rule. But yeah. if you're trying something that there has not been a rule set about, like, do it. And, and, and if just... we're talking
1: about f- true liberation, true, true freedom, true, like, getting our education system together, it's going to take some rule breaking. Because so much of the rules that have been set, you know, have been detrimental to the kids or to the most marginalized kids in our country. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's going to take some rule breaking. It's going to, but see, see rule breaking as innovation, not as like.
0: For the sake of rule breaking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I think that that also takes prioritizing, you know, figuring out what do I want to break or what do I want to change? What's important to me at this moment? Um because you may not be able to do all things at one time. Yeah. Um, you may not be able to change all things at, at at one time. But if you can change something and it goes well, then you can use that capital to then do something else. You know what I'm saying? Quick example. And then I'll be done. Kalas. Um, <laughs> You'll be done what? Kalas. Finished in Arabic. Oh.
0: Um, oh okay. Okay.
1: Dust I was like, is he off,
0: saying class and an accent?
1: That's <laughs> my shoulder off. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I think what's most important is that we prioritize and we figure out what we need to do to ch- turn this ship around. Because I ultimately believe that teachers will play a major role in school change. It won't be the superintendent, it won't be the principals and vice principals, it's going to be the teachers and the students. Those are the folks that are going to create the schools that we want to see. And it all starts with identifying those problems locally and developing those solutions locally and then publicizing that joint, creating that capital so that you can create bigger solutions as we go. Um, but it's gonna start from the ground up. It's gonna be grass, uh, grassroots hashtag organic, grass fed, real talk. No, Uh, stop. Okay, all (laughs) right. But I know that we can do it, guys. So, any other things you want to say before we wrap it up?
0: I thank you. You summed it up really well.
1: This coffee is winding down. Uh, we'll be right back. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and we're back. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> if you have questions, you can send them to us at commonsensepod at com or through our website at commonsensepod.com. And I'm pretty sure you have a question for us, right?
1: That sounded like a Cheerio commercial. It was so adorable. Yes, that was really cute. Build-a-bear. Uh, this first question comes from an anonymous person. They say, my teacher's salary is low, child. How do you live the life that you want on your teacher's salary?
0: Yikes. Um, <gasps> oh, You weren't low. ready for that one? I was not. Um, I know that I want more money, but I also know that I m- make a decent amount right now. So I'm not entirely certain. I also know that it's easier when you don't have children and crippling student loan debt which is a reality for many people um so i like i don't really like budgeting really helps and i think that has put me in control of the what i do have um and i i yeah and i also live and i'm using quotes i live off of what i made my first year teaching um so i make not significantly more now, but I, I do make enough to notice a difference. But I save that money and don't really touch it. Because if I lived off of this amount of money my first year teaching and prices have not drastically changed where I am, then it's still fine to live off of that amount of money. Um, So budgeting. I set a budget when I grocery shop. I set a budget for gas. Um... And I put money into savings immediately when my check comes in. And if it's that bad, you should probably look for a position that pays a little more. I don't know. What about you?
1: Yeah, well, low is very subjective, right? Right, yeah, low is, yeah. But I remember living in D.C. and feeling very insecure about amount of money that I made because I was around so many IT professionals and communication professionals and like you know politician folks which they weren't making as much as I was but um like I just remember not being able to afford the lifestyle that I felt like I deserved and so therefore I kind of switched my expectations where i was like i don't mind living in maryland i don't mind living in maryland i don't mind uh living in the hood that's okay that's fine i don't mind these black plates you know what i'm saying like it was just like things like that where i just kind of started to switch my mindset um and I'm not really a good example, I think Anthony is a master at budgeting and doing what you have to do. I am not I am learning this at the moment um I think it depends on when you get paid. I just talked about recently on one of my Sunday fun days just how much I enjoy being paid monthly as i as opposed to biweekly. Fix your damn face.
0: I would never agree to teach anywhere where I got paid monthly.
1: I appreciate it because I'm able to pay my bills off at the moment, and then I can really see how much money I have left to play.
0: But you could do that with being paid? No, you couldn't? Okay.
1: No. So I I
0: moved bill due dates based on my checks. And so... Like I have certain things that come out the beginning of the month and I have certain things that come out after the 15th because I have the money there. Because if everything is due at the beginning of the month, then I don't have any money until the 15th, which I did not like. Um, And so I kind of move some dates around to offer more flexibility, which you can a lot of businesses will let you do that if you like have the history to show that you pay consistently. And I also don't do auto draft anything because you're not about to mess up and take more than you're supposed to because I need every penny. The only thing yeah, that's on so auto that's,
1: draft is my car note. Yeah, that's what I've been struggling with is um the auto payments. So no auto payments. Figure out what dates works work best for you. Adjust your lifestyle if you feel like you need to, but live your life, honey. Like this, you only got one life to live.
0: Depending I on what you
1: believe. <laughs> so <laughs> is it
0: I swing through two extremes. Like, one extreme is like, save every penny and get out of debt. And the other extreme is, girl, you could die next week. Buy that plane ticket. So, like, even I am not perfect with the budgeting. And there are times when I completely blow my budget and, like, I'm way over what I was supposed to spend. But money comes and goes. And experiences mean a lot to me. And I'd rather be rich in experiences than money just sitting there. So, there are times when, like, I may not have as much as I want, but I was able to do something that really like filled me up and like I feel great and things are fine. Um, Like not letting money kind of and it it sounds easier said than done, right? Because money is the end all be all in America, but like not letting money like rule your, your rule your happiness or like your level of happiness or something like I don't know how to say it really, but there are still ways to enjoy like life and not be so consumed with, with the dollar sign.
1: And I also believe that no matter your profession, you know, multiple streams of income, I think are really, really, really important. And that's not, I I don't think that's just a teacher thing. I think that's an everybody thing. I, I think everybody is looking for ways to use social media or to you know, learn a trade or whatever to bring in that additional income that helps to supplement, you know, um, the lifestyle that you actually want to live. And so, you know, figure out what those passions are, figure that out, and uh, uh, and get those extra checks, those extra coins. Um, but no matter what job you are, whether you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, fifty thousand dollars a year, thirty thirty thousand dollars a year, the amount of money you make. Don't it it's, doesn't make a difference if you don't know how to spend it. Amen. And so, you know, figure that out. And I'm talking to my damn self. Your question. <laughs> um, so this
0: question came in response to something that I posted on Instagram this week. So I'll read the quote that I posted and then I'll read the question. So this is the quote. Um, it has the header that says in equity and it says, retaining children because they are not ready and prepared to move to the next grade when the system is not ready and prepared to effectively educate them. So like it's kind of offering a definition of an equity. And someone said, um, sorry for my long rant. My only issue with this is when students get to high school or even middle school and they read at the fourth and fifth grade level. I've had these students. I mean, I have some now. These students often don't qualify for SPET services because they can't identify a need. Also, I've had students in middle school who knew retention wasn't allowed and would fill every class for the year. This is with all of the tiered interventions, parent meetings, loss of privileges, mentors, incentives, just nothing worked. They'd be required to attend summer school and fail that too. Next thing, they're in the ninth grade. They either still had the same lagging skills and or never progressed past the fifth grade reading level. The difference is that they now have to earn credits to graduate. I would just love for there to be a realistic solution. What will work? I know every child is different and I've experienced a variety and still have a few who are severely below in reading. I know you both work with elementary level, but what is this like in other states? So, like, what do you think about retention, essentially?
1: Well, it's huge here in Qatar, um, from what I've been hearing, is that if a child fails, you know, that is reported to the Ministry of Education. What? And, (laughs) yes.
0: What's the equivalent here? Um, what do you mean? The equivalent of the Ministry of Education. What is the equivalent to that in the U.S.?
1: The Department of Education. That's what
0: I thought. That's, wow.
1: Yeah. And, you know, then they will mandate that you have to repeat that grade. Um, so Qataris, um, from my experience, they take their grades seriously. Um, but the bar is so low. So long as they get a 51 percent. You know,
0: it's like that here, though. Okay. Um.
1: Uh, in Texas, grades are a whole other thing.
0: Yeah, right. But in Texas, and someone is going to correct me because I do not teach a star testing grade. Um, but I think they only have to master or show mastery on like forty or fifty percent on the standardized test to go to the next grade level. Yep. And come to find out, the tests are written at two grade levels above what they're administering the test to. So you're saying all these kids Ooh. are behind but you have fourth graders reading a test that's written at a sixth grade level so no they're not going to show mastery on that
1: I have not seen an example where retention has drastically changed a child's life um, my brother was retained in the first grade I don't think that that made a huge difference because that teacher was not there for, like, he had a sub for most of the year, so it just didn't really, really help. Um, Seeing people talk about retention and it has such a negative stigma. um, I just don't necessarily think that the way in which we look at the way in which we have school organized at this moment, I don't think that retention is an answer. So then, you know, well, what is the solution then? I have a reasonable one and then I have a bold one. But I'll let you go ahead and talk about your opinion first. So I
0: have two things I want to say. So the first thing... um. I So I talked to Britt, Britt Hawthorne, if you follow her on Instagram, I talked to her quite a bit um, previously about retention. And she was saying how in Illinois, like at one point it was outrote, like you can't retain a child. And I don't know if that's still in place, um, but they found out like that the amount of kids that were getting retained, a high percentage of them were not graduating high school. And so like you're just... You're feeding into that, right? And so, like, what happens to a child that is retained, doesn't matriculate through high school? Like, what, what opportunities are available for them beyond that? Um, and what, what are we setting children up to do? In kindergarten, kindergarten is not required in Texas, but there are parents who retain children because they want to um, have them bigger for football. And I guess it's just because football is so huge down here. I think that's crazy that you would keep a child in kindergarten solely based on a sport because you want them to be bigger and hopes that they'll get a college scholarship later on. I've had that happen when I taught. I'm
1: going to pretend I didn't hear yeah, that.
0: Yeah, when I taught first grade in HISD, there is a sight word test. Um, I don't even remember how many words it is. It's administered at three different times during the school year. If you don't pass the sight word test, you automatically have to go to, to summer school, no matter what kind of grades you got throughout the school year, no matter like, if they look at you holistically. like If you don't pass the sight word test, you're going to summer school. If you don't come to summer school, you're repeating first grade based off of a list of sight words, um, which I think <laughs> is ridiculous. Um, I, I'm not a fan of retention at all I don't see the value in a child sitting in a classroom another year going over the same types of things because you, like you're wasting your ch- that child's time and your time um they could be like then too you have to you think about the social aspect right so now this child is the oldest child if they're at the same school where they were at last year now you have kids across the hall who know this child was with them last year and is no longer with them um and I've had experiences where. I've had a child that was retained, and we're walking, and the classroom doors to the grade level that that child should be in are open, and, you know, their peers from last year peek out, and they're laughing because, oh, they're still in X grade, and, like, what does that, what message does that send to a child about, like, how they, where they belong and their place in this school and what their peers think of them um over something that they had no control over, right? um. And then too, I think like in, as they get older, then you get into these huge age gaps, depending on when a child started school, like if you started at five versus if you started at six and if you got retained uh-uh. and like, how old are you going to be when you graduate? And it's just uh-uh. a lot goes on and I, I, I'm not a fan of retention at all. Like there are other things we can do to get a child caught up, which I hate to say, because these great level expectations are ridiculous. Um. But there are other ways to help a child. So
1: So let's talk about it because I I have two things. One is this is a great time to talk about and push folks to research Montessori education. Because uh, I think being in a classroom that is multi-aged, that is multi-grade, provides the opportunity for intervention that is more seamless as opposed to a one-size-fit-all model you know what I'm saying my thing was just like abolish grades you know what I'm saying like like we are strictly on wow I just thought about that like 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 we are which is not innovative because folks have been doing it but you know, grades don't exist. First grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. We are strictly looking at the skills that you have and we are placing you accordingly. Um And then we are meeting you where you are. If we're talking about being child-centered, we really got to think about being child-centered.
0: It makes no like, sense that we would have a checklist of like, by this time of this school year, you should be able to do this. This like... I What if I have a little one who, like, she turned five the day we walked in, but she's expected to do the exact same things to the exact same degree and level as a child that was an older six when they walked in the classroom. That child has almost a year on them developmentally, but you're expecting the same thing uh-huh. out of this younger little one as this older child. Yeah. I, I was also talking with, yeah. um, with Tiffany. I don't remember. I know she changed her Instagram name. It might be Tiffany M. Jewel now, but she's also a Montessorian, and she was saying how— with the um, multi age classes you have the opportunity where if a child at the end of the school cycle or school year is not necessarily where you would hope that they are you you have that you have another year with them right there's not this pressure to oh i need you here by may because your next teacher needs you here when you walk in in august like you can still continue growing with that child and meeting them where they are because they're with you for so many years
1: I don't support retention, but I do support looping.
0: I would love to loop. I, I should have looped with my kids from last year. It would be
1: fun. I have never looped. I've always wanted to loop. Um, it's it's really tough, you know, starting over every single year. But imagine it if you didn't have to. I think that that is like we 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 waste. It's not wasted time, but we spend a lot of time getting to know children. It takes, I would say, probably three and a half months, the first three and a half months to know who your kids are as people and then to know who, where your kids are academically before you can even begin to start to teach. Yeah. And by then, you're all, you're at Thanksgiving break. You know what I'm saying? And then you're rushing to fit something in by December to make sure that that they learn something, and then comes January, and now January they're coming back off Christmas break, they don't know nothing. So now you got to reset those expectations, and you really can't start teaching teaching until I would say end of January, early February. Hey, Black History. That's bro. how
0: it feels in kindergarten. You know what I'm kindergarten is just like no. over and over. How do we do this? How do we do this?
1: There is no time. There is no time for um for that. That's why I loved um I love the model that I came from at at a previous school which was teaching two grades. Um that's interesting. I taught I taught fifth well at the time I taught uh fifth grade and sixth grade and you know, I would have them for sixth grade the next year and then the other grades would kind of move on, right? So I would have each class for two years, but I loved that partnership because you were able to prepare them for the next grade, if you will. But you're, like, you need to have them for two years, like two or more.
0: There's a teacher where I'm at now who she started with her, well, at her last school, she started with her kids in first grade and stayed with them every year until they... Graduated elementary, and her kids. And we hate standardized testing, right? But her kids every year scored the highest on the standardized tests. And she was like, every year, that's
1: a long. It is a long
0: time, and she chose to do it. She was like the only one in her district to ever do that. But I guess she like just formed such great connections. But she was saying how she didn't have to spend that time every single year going over like expectations and getting to know you things and and the things that like the beginning of the year that just consume you teaching. Teaching the systems for the classroom and expectations and the rules and and all all these things that we spend so much time like her kids came in knowing it because we had you last year or we had you the year before, like they came in ready to learn. And that connection was there. And I, I think, too, for the youngest children that we have who just literally came from preschool and daycare where turnover matters a lot for young children because of the consistency. It's a lot for them to manage changing teachers, especially the schools that have first graders departmentalized, like the stress that it causes children. Like I have some of my kids from last year are in departmentalized classes now. And just the stress of having two teachers and wondering, like trying to understand why you're no longer in this teacher's classroom. And what do you mean next year? I'm going to have three teachers instead of two teachers. And it just, it's a lot for children
1: it's a it's a ton and i think retaining them in the in the same grade when we know how much moving on to the next grade how big of a deal that is to them i don't know i think that that does more harm than good i think that what we have to do is redesign the school as you said in that quote to meet the students that we have and when we stop focusing on one size fit all models, and we truly start to um, interrogate what child centered, like what that really means, then we can start making some better progress. But I think it is, it is so important to, um, to realize that, but retaining them, is just not going to help. It's not. And with that being said, thank you so much for sending in your questions. Continue sending them in to uh, www.commonsensepod.com or to our email at commonsensepod at gmail.com. Or you can do what you've been doing, which is sliding in Antonia's DMs. <laughs> do we have our quote? Well, what is our quote this week?
0: Um, I think because I mentioned Britt and Tiffany, it has to be a Montessori quote. Um, so Maria Montessori says, our care of the child should be governed, not by the desire to make him learn things, but by the endeavor always to keep burning within him that light, which is called intelligence. Mm. Mm. (sighs) (sighs) That's good. that's,
1: That's really good. That's really good. It's not about the checklist that we as adults have created, um, but it's really about invoking the lifelong learner that we all want our kids to be lifelong learners. But it's like, you know, it's just like turning on that light in them that creates that desire that they want to go out there and learn for themselves outside of school. It's more than it's more than just what we want but it's about truly making school and education about the children that are in front of us. And it's harder than it looks because we're fighting against so many systems, but wow. Mm.
0: I think the, the part where it says, but by the endeavor always to keep burning within him, that light, which is called intelligence so often because of the requirements and expectations of schools and the, the districts that we're in like, I feel like teachers are shutting off those lights, right? Like kids are coming in and asking, why are we doing this? What's the point of this? It doesn't even matter because things are not relevant to them and it doesn't interest and engage them. But if we can somehow find ways to, you know, keep that light burning, because like children are natural researchers, like from the, from the time they come out, like they are discovering, literally discovering the world around them. And it is our job to, to keep that joy and learning there right it's there it's innate they want to learn and discover and explore but don't be the one that shuts that light out by by saying yes to things you should be saying no to
1: mm. preach girl
0: and on that note <laughs> guys thank you for listening this week we've enjoyed it i lo- i really love yeah. this episode
1: yeah this is a lot of fun i it blame was. the coffee you should coffee. drink
0: coffee more often.
1: Uh, probably won't. I'm going to to Patrick's on a no Starbucks sugar. gift cards.
0: Oh, well, not Starbucks. No.
1: No. Even though I love the Starbucks here, it's so much better than the U.S. I feel fact, like the U.S. is so basic as it. The Starbucks compares.
0: is trash here. I get so sad when I get Starbucks gift cards, honestly. Like, what's no,
1: again? The Starbucks here <laughs> is uh, so good. Um, but yeah, guys, this, this has been great number 30 number 30 people really listen to our that blows my mind sorry and so with that guys we'll see you next time peace out you look so much better when you smile bye (laughs) thank you so much for listening to the common sense podcast Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early.
0: You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review
1: is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time.